Red Rocks Church, how we doing? Come on, can we make some noise and give some praise to the name above all names who shall reign forever and ever and ever. I love the lyrics that we just sang. We want to see a new revival. We want to see, God, your glory, the power of your love, because even just a glimpse is more than enough. And I believe the world certainly seems to be getting darker, but God's kingdom will continue to shine brighter. The tides are turning. A new day is dawning. And what we will continue to see is millions, if not billions of people be more and more captivated by the name and person of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Just one glimpse is more than enough. So before you sit down, let me read for you one glimpse from Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Here it is. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Don't even know what that means, but it sounds awesome. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind? Who am I that you are mindful of me, human beings that you care for them? We're gonna call this message glimpses of glory. So Jesus, would you open the heavens, swing wide the gates, show us your glory, the power of your love. We wanna see the things of heaven. And even just a glimpse today is more than enough and all we need. We pray this in the wonderful and powerful and beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody at Red Rocks Church said, amen. You may take a seat. You happy to be alive? Happy to be in the room? That's how I feel every single week. Well, I hope you're ready to encounter God because I believe that's gonna happen today. We didn't come here just to mess around and do church and sing Christian karaoke and hear a, hear a speech or a halftime, Denzel Washington, remember the Titans, fire up top. That's, that's great, but that's not why we're here. We are here to experience the maker of the universe as you're about to see. And last week we kicked off a series of talks called Wonder and Where to Find It. And we found out that wonder is this internal filter that we have to relearn to see life through. And the reason I say relearn is because once upon a time when you were a kid, wonder came easy for you and everything was just more awesome. But then you grew up and you got smart and maybe somewhere along the way, maybe just maybe you stumbled into the oxymoron called mature cynicism and you found out that pain is real and it's everywhere and the world can be a brutal place and human beings can do and say horrible things. And you know what? There's actually a lot of stuff I really probably should worry about, but wonder, somebody say, but wonder, can be relearned and recaptured by enjoying mystery and practicing curiosity. That's what we saw last week. But today, I want to shift the focus from your internal filter called wonder to God's external 
wonder in creation, okay? So Psalm 8 was written by King David, a shepherd boy from David and Goliath, that David who Matt Chandler lovingly refers to as the schizophrenic king because David was brutally honest in all of his psalms, emotional highs and lows. He hid nothing about the sometimes brutal realities of life. And, and you'll be reading David and he'll be so dramatic, crying out in his pain, God, where are you? You've forsaken me, you're nowhere. And literally the next stanza, he's all, everywhere I go, there you are, God. Can't get away from you. God, leave me alone, you're just, you're everywhere, right? And I read that and go, oh my gosh, I am this guy. I love this guy so much. And in Psalm chapter eight, sitting beneath a starry night sky, David writes this in a state of wonder once again. Verses three and four, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Charles Spurgeon said this, you already know it's good just because I said Charles Spurgeon, from his commentaries called The Treasury of David, he says, in wonder, the mind abandons itself to revere and is transferred in the ecstasy of its thought to distant and unexplored regions. It sees nature in the simplicity of her great elements, and it sees the God of nature invested with the high attributes of wisdom and majesty. And so I see pictures like this, and it reminds me that wonder is all over God's creation. The stars have this weird way of sort of lifting us above the world, removed and withdrawn from our little ambitions and anxieties, even if just for a few moments. Now, there's actually very few places left on the planet where you can see this, it's the Milky Way, in its fullness because of something called light pollution. And you know what light pollution is. It's the presence of man-made light in the night sky that sort of dims and hides what is beyond and above it. And so what I wanna do is just have a little nerdy fun today. And you're like, this happens about once a month, pastor. I know, give this to me. I really think you're gonna like it. I wanna show you what is out there, up there, beyond all of the light pollution. Are you ready for what's about to happen? Are you ready? Okay, let's go. This is the Milky Way galaxy. This is our subdivision in the universe, if you will. It is a barred spiral galaxy, if you care. And for the record, God cares. God is an astronomy nerd. The stars are all throughout the scriptures, okay? And the Milky Way galaxy, catch this, is 100,000 light years from end to end. Meaning this, light traveling at 186,000 miles a second has to travel for 100,000 years to get from this side to that side. So if you think that we have neighbors out there on the other side of our Milky Way cul-de-sac, 
And maybe we do, I don't know, I've never been there, but if you think they're out there and you wanna go attend their block party, please, whatever you do, for the love of God, do not bring potato salad. You better be packing some serious non-perishables because you gotta be prepped to travel 186,000 miles a second for 100,000 years to get to the other side. It's crazy, the Milky Way galaxy. By the way, that's a lot of bathroom breaks and all the dads said, amen. Now you probably, you're smart, so you probably piece this together. If you haven't yet, just pretend like you have. But this is not an actual photograph. This is a composite image made of thousands of images. Now we have an actual photograph, a lot of them, of planet Earth because we have left Earth and turned around and snapped some pics. But we've never been big enough or bad enough to leave our Milky Way galaxy and turn around and take a picture. And if you're thinking, right now. So the Milky Way, I know what this is. I remember, uh, it's our solar system. I remember the puzzle from when I was a kid. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus. I'm going to say it that way. It's the worst name for a planet. I don't know how human beings let that happen, okay? Neptune, and then maybe or maybe not Pluto. Don't want to be offensive, but wah, 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 RIP Pluto. No longer with us as a planet at least. But no, no, this is not the solar system. It's not. This is our Milky Way galaxy. It is one of 200 billion plus galaxies in the known and expanding universe. And it contains 100 billion solar systems, one of which is ours. So now you're probably thinking, well, where are we then? Like, we gotta be, surely we're right in the middle of that thing, right? Where the action is, that's where the party is, and I am always where the party is. No, we are not there. Louis Giglio once said, nothing shouts to us louder that it's not about me and it's not about you than the simple fact that we are not even in the center of our own subdivision of the universe. But don't FOMO about that. You don't wanna be where the party is in our galaxy. You'd, you'd disintegrate so fast if you were where the party is. No, we are located in what's called a galactic habitable zone, snuggled all cozy between two of the spiral arms right about there. Now, this is a 4K screen, but still even one pixel is about a thousand times too big for you to come up here and be able to see our solar system. So in case you're wondering why you don't see yourself in this picture, well, it's because our solar system, in comparison to the Milky Way galaxy, is the size of a quarter in comparison to the continent of North America. And God made this and 200 billion more and counting by speaking. Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. And still, most of my prayers are me advising God, me making suggestions to God, drawing diagrams for God, <laughs> like I'm his consultant. Hey, God, let me just bring your attention to some of the stuff down here in my life that you don't seem to see. You know what this is called? It's called perspective. 
Perspective means putting things in their proper place, and perspective leads to wonder. Like what David said, when I consider this, are you kidding me? When I consider the work of your fingers, the heavens above me, who am I that you even know who I am? When you exhale and stuff like this comes out of your mouth, that not only does the star breather who designs and hangs galaxies across the universe know who you are, but he also very uniquely and purposefully and fearfully and wonderfully knit you together in your mother's womb at the very same time. To feel wonder is to feel small and significant simultaneously. So there's 200 approximately, give or take a, a couple tens of billions of stars. Apparently they're hard to count, much like the grains of sand on the bottom of the ocean, but approximately 200 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Our solar system centers around one. It's not the biggest, the baddest, or the brightest, but it is the most perfectly designed and carefully positioned star that we have found. We call it the sun. And right now, around the sun, orbiting at a speed of 167,000 miles an hour is our planet, Earth. This is home. Now, this is an actual photograph taken from Apollo 17 on December 8, 1972. And when humanity saw this for the first time, it caused people to stand up if they were sitting on their couches and just stare in wonder and awe. Three years before this was taken, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon and looked back at that, standing on the moon, and this is what Neil Armstrong said. It suddenly struck me that that tiny pea, pretty and blue, was the earth. I put up my thumb and I shut one eye and my thumb blotted out the entire planet earth. But here's his conclusion. He says, but I didn't feel like a giant. I felt very, very small. And every problem every pressure, every stressor that you have in your life right now, that I have in my life, that feels and seems to be the size of the universe is all taking place on that tiny blue pea, suspended in the middle of a void of infinity. The astronomy world affectionately refers to our planet as the little blue marble, and no other planet yet has been found that is quite like our planet. Because not only do we live, not only does our solar system live in the galactic habitable zone of our Milky Way galaxy, but our planet exists in what's called the circumstellar habitable zone of our, of our solar system. The science community calls it the Goldilocks zone. 
So if you're ready for those levels of nerddom, you can go home and Google the Goldilocks zone later. And what you're going to find out is that there are 15 infinitely unlikely factors all working together at the right timing and in the right order to make life on this planet possible. From the perfectly sized moon that has the perfect distance from our planet to keep our oceans and tides in line and keep us orbiting on our axis at the right speed with the correct tilt to give us the ideal 24-hour day, to the fact that our sun is a very rare non-binary star that is strangely consistent and hasn't changed for thousands, if not millions of years, to the fact that Earth has a rocky core that stabilizes life, but not just that, it also has a molten center around that rocky core that generates the ideal magnetosphere to protect us from solar winds, and on and on and on and on I could go. Louis Giglio says what David observed 3,000 years ago, that with the proper perspective, church, nothing about anything is ordinary. And this God has placed us in an extraordinary universe filled with glimpses of his glory so that you and me would never forget it. Like, think about it. He could have placed us in a box like we so often do to him. But instead, he decided to place us against the backdrop of a wonderful infinity. Albert Einstein said, he who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. His eyes are closed for nothing about anything is ordinary. And if you're thinking right now, well, it's kind of arrogant to assume that God made this entire universe just to be our home. And if you're thinking that, I actually agree with you. But what if the point of the universe is not that? What if the reason God made it the way he did was to show us just how big he actually is so that we would never forget it? If that's the case, then the universe is just about the right size. Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. The heavens declare, this is why they're up there, to declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Day after day, they pour forth speech, and night after night, they reveal knowledge. I love that. Creation is telling us a story without having to utter a single word. Creation, if you will, is an invitation to experience the creator behind it. I wrote a new definition of wonder this week, and sorry, Webster's, but... This is better, okay? So here it is. Wonder is your sixth sense of the God beyond the beauty. Wonder is your awareness of the things of heaven. Without wonder, you will miss, I believe this with all my heart, you will miss the fullness of your life. So follow me here. Without God, and without wonder, the stars are still pretty, man. Like they really are. But at the end of the day, it's just hydrogen and helium up there, you guys. That's all it is. Your soul is not being awakened because of a bunch of hydrogen in the shape of a big ball. 
It's just matter. It's just light, particles and waves. That's all it is. Is it burning hydrogen that is speaking to the deepest and most hidden places and spaces of your heart? Is it burning helium that is informing your mind that you were made for something so much bigger than the stuff that you can see? No, it's not. Nothing against hydrogen and helium. I love them. I'm grateful for them. But no, your soul is being awakened by wonder, your sixth sense of the God beyond the stars and beyond the elements of nature who made them, the God who made those things as his signal flares of grace and glimpses of his glory and the work of his hands as if to say, hey, you guys, I'm here. And the size and splendor and majesty of this indescribable universe I've placed you in means you matter to me. And you can create within it as I have created you. All wonder is your sense of the God beyond it, the personal God beyond the impersonal hydrogen. What about the ocean? The ocean is just two parts hydrogen for every one part oxygen, lots of salt, and lots of fish pee. That's all the ocean is, really. So why then does it stir your emotions? Why does that stir something in your soul when you're standing on its shores and you're feeling its power and hearing its roar? It's because wonder informs your soul of the God beyond the beauty. That creation has a creator and obeys its creator. For since the very beginning of time in creation, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen. His eternal power, his divine nature clearly showed off to us through the creation that we can see. And I'm, I'm saying without wonder, you will miss the fullness of all of it. You will miss the God behind it. It's not just nature either. Think about music. Let's talk music for a second. Once again, music is just science and math. That's all sound is. It's frequency. It's wave velocity divided by wavelength. So why do you cry or smile or get goosebumps when the right song is played or when, when Emily hits all the high notes in hallelujah here below? Like, what's happening? Why are you emotionally moved just because the right combination of frequencies are played in the right timing? And Paul happens to mix it perfectly through a killer sound system. Like, what, what is really happening here in the deepest, most hidden places within me? C.S. Lewis says, the books and the music in which we think the beauty is located will betray us if we trust them. For it is not in them, but rather it comes through them. Do you know prodigy composers have called music the only proof needed for the existence of God. Because a sixth sense called wonder is leading you to see the God beyond all of it. The same thing's true for love and sex and marriage and, and friendship and family. It really is, but let's be fair, okay? Let's be fair. You can have a great marriage without believing in God. 
You can't. You, you can enjoy sex, the gift of sex, without believing in the God who designed it. Obviously, you can do that. Any Christian who says otherwise is ignorantly kidding themselves. I can tell you so many stories, personal stories of thriving marriages between two amazing people who don't know Jesus. This is just, it's just real. But I also believe, and you can call this arrogance, but I call it humility that you will miss the fullness of it. You will miss the, the fullness of sex as the mingling of two souls. You will miss the fullness behind the pitter-patter of little feet on the hardwood floor. You will miss the fullness of all of it if you miss the deeply relational God beyond it who loves you so much that he designed your heart to partake in and experience this love that was his idea in the first place. Let's talk food. My favorite part right here. Let me tell you the best meal I've ever had. Catch sushi. Ryan was there in the meatpacking district of New York City. I might cry. I'm serious. The A5, you remember this? The A5 Wagyu surf and turf roll with the main lobster and sweet ponzu sauce, perfectly seared at your table with a culinary blowtorch seconds before it melts in your mouth. It's just, oh, so good. And here's the thing. Without believing in God... That dinner's still good, man. Like it really is. It's still good. People who don't believe in God are there right now eating this exact same sushi roll, paying a ton of money for it, enjoying it. But what I'm saying is only with a sense of wonder does it become something more than just amazing food? When you realize this dinner, this sushi roll was created with God-made ingredients by the mastery prep of a chef who was knit together in his mother's womb with the creativity to be a chef in the first place. And when you consider and are aware of all of this, then all of a sudden it's like Jesus is at the table right now. You know what I mean? Last Monday, me, Ryan, and Ethan, and Corey grilled fillets in my backyard, and um, we, we uncorked a, a bottle of red Sprite and <laughs> enjoyed good food and good drink and good friendship and good conversation, and, and once again, without God, that steak's still good, man. Like, I grilled it perfectly. Ed Long, you'd be so proud of me. Seared crispy on the outside, perfect medium rare on the inside. Like, that'd still be good. Without God, that bottle of Sprite is still good with all of its tannins and earthy flavors. Without God, that conversation is still good. It really is. But what I'm saying is the fullness of the moment was enjoyed in its entirety because wonder the awareness of the things of heaven and the presence of a deeply relational God who made everything that we call good was there with us. Wonder is your sixth sense of the God beyond the beauty. Without wonder, you will miss the fullness of what is available to you in this life. 
And I know that because God has written something called eternity into your heart. And you hear that and go, Doug, that's really good. How'd you come up with that? Oh, I got it from the Bible. It's Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. This is written by King Solomon, a man whose life was essentially one giant experiment to, to try to find any fullness and completion under the sun with temporary things that you could see. Nobody had more access to fame and money and resources and everything that human beings want than King Solomon. And this is his conclusion that God must have set eternity into my heart because nobody can fathom what this God has done from beginning to end. And so here's what I'm saying. This is how you know that you're made for something bigger than the things you can see. For what we can see is only temporary. It's what is unseen that is eternal. And this is why Solomon and Bono and Justin Bieber can have access to everything this world has to offer and still not find what they're looking for. It's because God designed your heart with an indentation the size of eternity. And nothing temporary, no matter how good, can complete it. So no salary amount and no position and no status and no, no person and no marriage and no dream come true, good as it might be, is the size of forever. And that's why... And we do this all the time. This is the human condition. That's why when you take something good, the good gifts that the giver, who is forever, has given, when you take something good and you make it ultimate, it will fail you in the end every single time. Wealth is a good thing, man. Success is a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. Kids are a good thing. Dreams are a good thing. I could keep going, but when you make a good thing, you're everything. You are dooming yourself in the end because it will always, regardless of how good it is, leave you empty. Why? Because no temporary good thing can fill an eternal indentation. Wealth is a good thing. And I know the country I'm in right now. Wealth is a great thing, but watch what happens when you make it your everything. You will spend your life earning and earning and earning, and it'll kind of work until it doesn't, and you'll, you'll need more, earn and earn and earn, and now I'm kind of starting to panic because I thought it would have done it by now, and I'm gonna earn and earn and earn, and then you will die and get buried and take none of it with you, just like everybody. And I don't say that for the shock factor. I say that because it is the brutally honest truth to get us to see that the real answer to the deepest longings of your heart is the God beyond your wealth, the God beyond your kids, the God beyond your dreams, the God beyond the stars who calls you by name and is for whatever reason unconditionally in love with all of us, you guys, and wants not religion, but a relationship. And in case you're wondering, that's why we do what we do. And that's why we'll move across the country and leave everything familiar to plant a church. And that's why so many leaders will volunteer their hours and their blood, their sweat and their tears on a Sunday with no day off on a Monday 
It's because we're trying to get as many people as possible to experience this God as much as possible. The God beyond the beauty, the only answer, the only solution to this eternal groove, this eternal indentation. And we're doing that on repeat every single week. Why? Because the human condition is to miss the God beyond the beauty. The human condition is to see the beauty and go, surely I can find it in this. The human condition is to trade the king for his kingdom, thinking obviously it's going to be here until I come up short again and again. The human condition is to trade the giver for the gifts, coming up empty time and time again without wonder. You can have everything like Solomon and yet still miss the only thing. Romans 1.23, they pretended to know it all, but we're illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. The Greek word for glory used there is the word doxa, and it means the splendor of the unspoken manifestation of God, but it's better understood in Hebrew as the word kabod. Now this word, our English language, does not have the words to describe this. We are, we are trying to describe the glory of God with the word kabod. Abundance, riches. I mean, you wanna talk about wealth? Something in wealth, man, for a season, it fills something until it doesn't. Here's what's calling you, the riches of God's glory beyond that, the splendor, the excellence, a weighty, I love that word, a weighty glory. So kabod is a word that speaks to currency in weights and balances. It is the power of God's Glory. If you know the C.S. Lewis quote, Kabod is the holiday at sea that we can't even fathom because we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with ambition and sex and drink like ignorant kids in a slum making mud pies. That is Kabod calling your name and it's written in the stars like signal flares of this everlasting real solution to your heart's eternal indentation the God beyond the beauty here to complete this longing that I don't have to convince you you have kabod a weighty glory but there's another word in the New Testament in the Greek that speaks to weight as well it's the word flipsis. Somebody say flipsis. It's fun to say, not as awesome to experience. Flipsis, a Greek word that means tribulation, distress, pain, and pressure. Once again, four things I don't have to convince you of. This is speaking to the weight once again, of the pain that we experience in this life. Am I, like, am I talking to anybody in 2021? All of us, if we're honest, right? So you've got the weight of God's glory. 
this infinite kabod, but then you have also the weight of the pain and the pressures of life and the anxiety and the depression and the suicide and the, the loss of loved ones and the financial worries and the job loss and the persecution and on and on and on I could go. Jesus used this word. He uses flipsis in Matthew chapter 24, first, verse 21. He says, for then, he's talking about right now, 2021. Then there will be great distress. That's flipsis, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. This is Jesus, red letters in your Bible speaking about the things that you and me will feel and face in the end times. And before you paint me as the end times guy, I'm only referring to it the same way Jesus did when he referred to the end times as the time and space between his ascension 2,000 years ago and the time where he comes back, splits the sky in half and returns as the King of kings and Lord of lords and every knee bows and every tongue confesses. But the space in between is the already but not yet. His kingdom is present, but not yet in its entirety. And God's, God's kingdom is gaining ground, but bad and horrible things still happen. This is the space in between. You understand, I'm talking about 2021. So in this time and in this space, we have kabod, this very real and very present weight of God's glory and goodness that through glimpses, he shares with you in everything. It is everything the eternal indentation in your heart is crying out for, but it gets polluted by flipsis the pressures of the present pain that we feel. But who remembers the very beginning of this talk before we got into nerd zone? That just because man-made light pollution is present in the night sky doesn't mean the stars and the wonders and the works of his hands aren't still up there. It's still there. It's just light pollution has dimmed it to make it more challenging to see. And what I'm saying is in the same way, our pain pollution that is so real might dim our awareness of the God beyond all of this and his eternal glory and goodness, this holiday at sea that is calling out to us, it might dim our awareness. And, and, and dampen our, our, our senses of the kabod we know is out there. But what I'm trying to say is it's still there. It is still there, even in the most brutally challenging seasons of your life. The kinds of seasons that King David did not shy away from, from talking about in the Psalms. You are still just one stanza away from experiencing a glimpse of his glory. Kabod has no rival and no equal, and God's glory far outweighs the world's temporary weight and pressure. The pain we live beneath has an expiration date. But the glory of God will never fail and will never run dry, which means there is nothing this life can throw at you that can shake you out of his hands. There's just not. If he's got the universe, if he's got the Milky Way galaxy, a hundred thousand light years from end to end in his hands, I promise you he's got you right now. And even in the seasons where you let go of him, he's not letting go of you. Like our strange and weird son, God is consistent when we are not. We fall short, he does not. 
We're imperfect. We have flawed records. He does not, and this same God who is holding the universe right now is holding your heart and your family and your future. And even through the pain and the pressure and the trials and the tribulations, I'm telling you, his glory is strong enough to shine through, wrap its arms around you and remind you, oh, you might be small, but you are not insignificant. And let the heavens above you remind you you live in an extraordinary universe made by a God who is not ordinary. Nothing about anything is ordinary. And the beauty of it all means that you matter to him. So I wanna do this. I wanna, I wanna pray for, I think maybe just two groups of people, what I'm feeling, sensing right now. And the first one will be, um, those of you who just need that wonder in your spirit kind of reignited, see it like a fire that's, that was once upon a time, a, a blazing like bonfire on the beach and it has just sort of dwindled and dwindled down as life has gotten real and pain has been everywhere in 2020 and now 2021 and now it's just a little smolder. I wanna just ask supernaturally that this God of the universe would come and reignite it in your hearts. Cause it's not gone. It might be dim, but it is not gone. And it's time for you to see and experience the God beyond the beauty of life again and experience what your life has to offer in its entirety again. And then I wanna pray for those of you who have just been, man, you've been going through it. And the pressure of that flipsis, this persecution, this tribulation, this anxiety, this depression, this, this pressure is just weighing on you and you barely made it to church today. Wondering, I don't even know if this, this whole thing's real. I used to believe it, but I'm gonna need to be divinely persuaded again God is in the business of doing just that. And so I wanna pray for that too. So if you fit in to one of those two categories, and even if you don't, I just wanna invite you to pray this and receive this with me. So Jesus, my goodness, we love you so much. The God of this indescribable universe, the God who has millions of angels echoing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's happening right now. You have no beginning, you have no end. You are eternal in every way and you're present in this space, in this room right now. But you don't just exist in buildings anymore. The curtain is torn, the veil is open, the door to heaven is open, which means your presence is alive and at work inside of all of us, Jesus, who call you our Lord and Savior. And for any of my brothers and sisters beneath the sound of my voice who just need wonder to be rekindled in their hearts again, that wonder like this kingdom fire that burns in our chest that just gives life that magic that it used to have, I pray that you would fan that into flame as we sing these words of these songs back to you and praise you. When we don't know what to do, this is what we do. We praise you, we get in your scriptures, we read the Psalms, we pray. 
holy, holy, holy are you, Lord Almighty. And as we do that, you fan this wonder into, fl into flame. And so I pray that would supernaturally happen for people in this space right now. And I pray for anybody who's just going through that season and I feel like there's just hearts and souls all throughout this room and watching online right now who feel that this lipsis, this this trial, this pressure, this pain, this pain pollution that is dimming the view above them of how amazing you really are, God. Your kabod, your glory is strong enough and powerful enough to shine through. And even a glimpse of it is more than enough. So would the things of heaven become real again? And would you stretch out your arm and heal people and embrace them and remind them that you're here and that you care and that you see the problems and the stresses they're walking through right now, God. You are, you are not clueless to it. You are so present. And even when we can't see it, you're working in it. Remind us of that today. We wanna see a new revival, the power of heaven, the tides are shifting, a new day is dawning. Give us a glimpse of your glory for even a glimpse is more than enough. And we pray this in the wonderful, beautiful and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Red Rocks Church, let's stand and let's worship.